It's getting impossible as a journalist to absolutely guarantee a whistleblower's safety. If, if somebody comes to me and says, I've got information that you need to know about, if they've rung me, I've told people not to speak to me and I've told them never to call me again because mm-hmm. they've, put, they've just jeopardised their safety by ringing me. That's Gold Walkley winner, investigative journalist Ross Coulthard, explaining how he protects his sources. Even, as he's just explained, killing a story because his first contact has jeopardised their anonymity. This might seem a little extreme, but it all has to do with federal legislation called the Telecommunications Interception and Access Act of 1979, Section 313 to be precise, and I'll let Coulthard explain the moment he was forced to change his professional behaviour. I didn't know about this until I was doing a story investigating impropriety slash corruption in a major federal government department. And one of my sources was a person who knew about this capacity where without a warrant, without going to a judge and having to prove your case, people inside a government department who are authorised to do so are able to ask for phone records, um, records of the passage of email traffic, SMS traffic, even these days, the geographical location by mobile phone tower of a mobile phone. It is an incredibly powerful surveillance tool and it is used to a massive extent by our law enforcement agencies, which I don't so much have a problem with. I don't have a problem with ASIO, ASIS, uh, Feds, Defence Signals Directorate using this kind of information. What I do have a problem with is the fact that a plethora of government departments, both state and federal, because they are ostensibly law enforcement agencies, have been given this power to search your and my phone records for the investigation of things as minor as the protection of the public revenue. You could drive a truck through a clause like that. And I know for a fact that it's being abused. So what what circumstances? um... Well, what I saw was um, when I was doing an investigation, my source actually said to me, um, be very, very careful that you don't ever directly contact me with SMS, email, phone, any kind of telecommunications. And was this a source inside a government department? It was a source inside a government department. Mm -hmm. And I said, why? And he said, because I will be able to track you. And I just said, well, look, you'll have to get a warrant for that. And I said, why would they want to get a warrant for something as minor as a leak? And he laughed and he said, no, they wouldn't have to get a warrant. He said, you clearly don't know about Section 313. And he showed me, he did it in front of me. He filled out a a form, which essentially certified that he needed the information for a law enforcement purpose, Mm -hmm. got my phone number, sent it off to my ISP, which happened to be Telstra. And within half an hour, He had a record of every single phone call that I'd made, including some or a lot that I'd received within the preceding 12 months. What it was, I don't know, they'd put it through some kind of software that essentially gave them a printout of the identities of the public servants behind those public service numbers. So for example, if it was a federal public service issued mobile phone, automatically it displayed the name of the public servant that was the holder of that phone. I was mortified. There were the names of people who I'd spoken to confidentially on stories numerous times going back in the previous 12 months. It changed from that date on the way I operated 
in how I deal as a journalist. And a lot of my colleagues in journalism think I'm paranoid, but I've seen it. I've known they're doing this for well over a decade, and I'll wager it's being abused. That's a tool that can be used as a powerful tool of intimidation of whistleblowers. And one of my pet bugbears in Australia today is the way that journalism in Australia, investigative journalism, is being neutered by terrorising of the public service by internal security departments who investigate leaks using this resource. I think it's unfair. It's not just bad sport interest, wide open for abuse, and it's stopping the revelation of gross impropriety and corruption inside our government. Because it's getting really hard. It's getting impossible as a journalist to absolutely guarantee a whistleblower's safety. If, if somebody comes to me and says, I've got information that you need to know about, if they've rung me, I've told people not to speak to me. And I've told them never to call me again because mm -hmm. they've, put, they've just jeopardized their safety by ringing me. I've said, now that you've done that, this happened to me recently. I had a guy ring me from an uh, immigration department and he was concerned that there was child abuse going on in an immigration center that he wanted me to know about, a detention center. And he was concerned that there was a reckless attitude taken by staff inside the immigration center to the fact that children from Afghanistan were being abused by men in the same yard. Um, he had information he wanted to give me He'd rung me direct on my mobile because it had been given to him by somebody else. And I said, I can't run your material because if I do, it will blow back on you because you're ringing me on your mobile. What were you thinking? And journalists don't do this enough. Yeah. And I've seen so many whistleblowers burned. So take this to its logical conclusion. If you're investigating, and I'm sure the Global Mail will be many times, acts of appalling bastardry by a government department, our federal police is essentially a political police force. They operate at the fiat of the minister. If the minister wants something done, he can order it. And they have done. They've ordered leaks inquiries. And I don't think it's proper for our federal police to be deployed investigating these kind of spurious leaks investigations. But they are. And the first tool they use to investigate those leaks is they do a warrantless metadata surveillance search on journalists that have run the story. And I know this because I've spoken to the police that do it. So how do you protect your sources now? I, I don't use, if I've got a hot source, uh, I use a dead letter drop email address that I access by Tor. So I go to a Hotmail or Gmail address, which is completely anonymous. And I give, I, I carry in my wallet a, um, it's what spooks use, what's the spies use. Essentially you have a login for a, a, an email address Neither party ever sends email from that email address. All they're doing is creating an email and saving it as a draft inside Hotmail or Gmail. And I give him the login, I have the login, and we correspond using an internet online email address that we never, we never send from. Mm -hmm. I have about 50 of those. Keeping track of it is a nightmare. But essentially I have a logbook where essentially, you know, Joe blogs my source in the federal police He's, you know, Joe blogs at hotmail.com. And I have the login, he has the login, and we routinely correspond. And I monitor that login every week or every two weeks and see whether he's been in touch. In 1999, Coulthard was reporting for Channel 9's Sunday program. 
He was the first to reveal that a secret spy and intelligence sharing alliance was operating between the United States, Australia, the United Kingdom, New Zealand and Canada. Nicknamed the Five Eyes, they'd cooperated behind the scenes since the end of World War II. He spoke to many staffers from America's National Security Agency, or NSA, as deep background or off the record as it's known. The 1999 program hinted at what was to come when American NSA contractor Edward Snowden in June 2013 leaked thousands of documents showing just how deeply the Five Eyes countries were involved in surveilling all telecommunications in the world. Coulthard was not surprised. Yikuser, as it's known, was set up post-war, post the Second World War, uh, as a cooperative spying alliance between the Brits, the Australians, the Canadians, the New Zealanders. Um, in order to, and the US, uh, in order to essentially search communications. Um, the reality with conventional espionage these days is that most spying is not done by men in black raincoats going around meeting sources on streets. Um, in the very early days of comms spying, especially when we first started developing um, microwave sent communications, uh, a lot of it was placing a receiver at the point where there was a spill from a microwave telephone transmitter and just collecting that spill. And they realised pretty soon that they could sift through all of those communications, so they then started intercepting satellites. And that's why in New Zealand there's a base called Waihopai, in Australia there's a base called Shoal Bay up in Darwin, and um, over in Geraldton in Western Australia there's a base that intercepts satellite communications over the Indian Ocean. More recently, as countries around the world have moved to internet telephony and um, cable connections between countries, uh, there's been an intensification of that kind of spying by essentially formalising links inside ISPs, internet service providers and telecommunications companies, to essentially make it a requirement by the national law of these various countries that these ISPs have to provide a backdoor, a trapdoor access to their communications. And a few years ago, this is why a lot of Snowden's revelations to those of us who, who are looking at the subject, it's not a huge story in terms of its newness because we've known that they've been doing this kind of communications interception for many years. Uh, there was a revelation a few years ago that um, all of the major telecommunications providers in the US were indeed providing these backdoor trapdoors that were essentially sending fibre optic cables straight back to the National Security Agency in um, Fort Meade, Maryland. Essentially what's, what you're seeing with the revelations from Snowden and the revelations that we had in our original story is essentially just a continuation of the same thing as communications have spread from basic telephony to email, SMS, messaging systems like Skype and other protocols, they've then moved to make sure that they can intercept them. And I don't find that surprising. Do you think that Snowden's revelation should be published? I, I am going to stick my neck out here and say that I do question the, not the fact of the, the leak, the, the fact of the revelation of the breadth of this kind of spying, I think is significant and important. I think it's important that the public know, officially, for the first time, the extent of the kind of surveillance capacity that now exists with cross-referencing databases and the kind of um, clever systems analysis that the NSA has clearly developed with some of its programs. What I have an issue with is 
the decision by The Guardian and indeed the ABC to willy-nilly publish almost in their entirety a lot of these documents unredacted in a way that basically tells the bad guys the extent to which they can now provide a, a backdoor way of avoiding interception. What I fear is that, okay, the general public now will become more aware of the fact of mass surveillance, and that's a good thing. But with the specificity of detail that The Guardian and the ABC have chosen to publish, I fear that the bad guys now know more about how to avoid being intercepted. And if you're a clever terrorist that's plotting an attack on Australia, you now know for sure not to send an open email. You now know for sure not to discuss on a telephone call or even cryptically in some kind of messaging system because the, the scale of the mass surveillance that's revealed by the, um, the Snowden leak revelations uh, shows that they are actually at a capacity to intercept communications that is just truly mind-boggling. Does this mean we're actually back at the point where the black raincoats meeting in dark alleyways is one of the few ways we can have a private conversation. Well, the irony is that the intelligence services have been undone by the most basic piece of espionage at all. It's a source on the inside who basically downloaded data. It's exactly what happened with the uh, Manning WikiLeaks download. And uh, it is now the worst nightmare of every IT controller around the world in every government and corporations. And the reality is that that uh, anybody who thinks that their data is secure in a telecommunications system is naive. One of the things it has revealed is that many ways that the Five Eyes are going about their surveillance isn't actually uh, illegal. Um, so um, countries are butting up with each other when necessary to sort of skip over maybe their national regulation of something. Yeah. Well, this, so, is, this is where I do agree to some degree with the concern about this power of mass surveillance that's represented by this Five Eyes Alliance because um, as Edmund Burke said, um, the greater the power, the more likely the abuse. In 1999, I interviewed a man from the Canadian uh, equivalent of DSD called Mike Frost, who revealed to me that he had been sent to London uh, by his CSIS, which was the Canadian equivalent of DSD, and used to, quite improperly, and I would argue quite illegally, monitor the telephone calls of ministers in Margaret Thatcher's cabinet to find out which one of them was leaking. And uh, this was never revealed because it was a plausible, deniable favour that was provided by the Canadians to the Brits. And this is where, historically and now, I have huge problems with the capacity for the system of user to be abused because it has been abused in the past. Um, Australia in espionage historically has done, it has a history of doing plausibly deniable favours for its allies. The best example of all is the way that the Australian Secret Service helped the CIA keep in touch with its operatives inside Chile when the Allende Socialist Government took power in the 1970s. It was revealed when the Whitlam government came into power that we had been providing a service to the Americans, which essentially gave the Americans plausible deniability, where we serviced their intelligence agents inside Chile. And I tried uh, unsuccessfully to get access to the files on this from the Australian Secret Service a few years ago, and we were resisted at a very, very high level by the Australians. 
who did not want this story told. Coulthard continues to secretly communicate with dozens of sources. He's completing a book on First World War historian Charles Bean and is the investigative reporter on Channel 7's Sunday night program. You can read his article on the surveillance powers of the Australian government at theglobalmail.org. This is Claire Bloomer. Thanks for listening.